You're listening to In My Father's House with our pastor and teacher, Mike Fenizio, Senior Pastor of Harvest Christian Fellowship in New York City, New York. In my Father's house, there's a place for me. In my Father's house, where I long to be, oh, my heart will not be troubled. I remember what you said. All of these things were instilled in him by his parents, and he developed that important inner sense of worth and personal esteem. And listen, these characteristics would enable Samuel to withstand all of the obstacles that he would later have to face, as we shall see as we continue to move through the book of 1 Samuel. Through what his parents told him, through what his parents instilled in him, He was given a strong sense of purpose. Perhaps one of the best gifts parents could give their children is just that, an awareness of their God-given purpose. Far too many kids and far too many grown-ups, that sense of meaning and value is missing. The entitlement that some have been raised with is different. It imparts the mentality that this world's purpose is to serve you. As Pastor Mike will explain in today's message, a sense of God's purpose for your life instills the idea that you are here to love and serve Him and others. Now, here's Pastor Mike in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 1 as he begins his message, Hannah's Song. Let's pick up now in 1 Samuel chapter 1, and this is where we left off last time. So 1 Samuel chapter 1, beginning in verse 21. Now, the man Elkanah, that is Hannah's husband, and all his house went up to offer to the Lord the yearly sacrifice and his vow. That is, they went up to Shiloh. And at that time, that's where the tabernacle had been built, and that's where Israel went up to worship. At this time, The temple hadn't been built there in the city of Jerusalem. So they went up to Shiloh there to uh, worship the Lord and to offer uh, their yearly uh, sacrifice. Now notice in verse 22, But Hannah did not go up, for she said to her husband, Not until the child is weaned, that is Samuel, who's already been born, then I will take him, that he may appear before the Lord and remain there forever." Now, notice the way that Elkanah responded. Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Hannah, do what seems best to you. Wait until you have weaned him. Only let the Lord establish his word. Then the woman stayed and nursed her son until she had weaned him. I want to mention that counsel of Elkanah's was good uh, counsel. Uh, Notice what he says. Only let the Lord establish his word. In other words, he's encouraging his wife to do everything in obedience to God 
and the result of that will be the Lord will establish his word. As we obey, you can be sure that God is faithful to establish his word. That is, in his response, and his promises uh, to us. So this is very good counsel that uh, Hannah's uh, husband is offering uh, to her. Okay, verse 24. Now when she had weaned him, Samuel, she took him up with her with three bulls, one ephah of flour, that would be the equivalent of a bushel, and a skin of wine, and brought him to the house of the Lord in Shiloh. And the child was young. I'll explain all of this to you in just a moment. Then they slaughtered a bull and brought the child uh, to Eli. Now, this bull was specifically raised uh, to offer a burnt offering. And it had to do with the cleansing uh, and the consecration of little Samuel. Verse 26. Then she said, O my Lord, as your soul lives, my Lord, I am the woman who stood by you here praying to the Lord. For this child I prayed. And the Lord has granted me my petition, which I asked of him. Therefore, I also have lent him to the Lord. As long as he lives, he shall be lent to the Lord. And so they worshiped the Lord there. Let's begin in a word of prayer. Father, we pray now that you bless the remainder of our time together as we treat this text of Scripture and then move on to chapter 2 and actually get into the song that Hannah sung. Father, we pray that you'd open it up to us. God, that you give us understanding. Father, that we learn all of the lessons that are contained within it. Lord, bless, minister to each one in a very personal and relevant way. God, we thank you. We appeal to the great teacher who is the Holy Spirit to this end. Bless now. Let my words be your words. For we ask all of these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. So once again, this message, the title is Hannah's Song. Now, the first thing that I want to draw your attention to, I want you to notice Elkanah that is Hannah's husband, oneness with his wife, that is in their desire for a son, and that can be seen in the fact that he too entered into a vow. Notice the mention of this vow here in our text, there in verse 21. And this is the same vow that Hannah made, we've just read, and is recorded for us there in verse 11. That is, if God would open up her womb, uh, the child would be born, the child would be consecrated. The child would be given back to God as his instrument to do his will. And so after Samuel was born, in thankfulness to the Lord for having rolled away the reproach of his wife, that is, her being barren, not being able to bear a child, Elkanah went to Shiloh, the place of worship where the tabernacle was located, to appear before the Lord. Notice the mention of that there in verse 21. And we are told also that he offered a special peace offering or what is also known as a thanksgiving offering. You can read sometime during the week the book of Leviticus in chapter 7, verses 12 through 15, and all of the instructions are laid out there for uh, this particular offering, that is the peace offering or the thanksgiving offering. One of the Uh, things that is most important about this particular offering, and it's recorded for us also in that same book of Leviticus in chapter 22 and verse 29, is that it is to be offered of their own free will. And if you think about it, isn't that the way that we are to offer any sacrifices that we uh, make to the Lord? We offer it gladness in our heart. 
uh, in, uh, uh, through our own free uh, will, uh, not being placed under any pressure or coercion uh, to offer it, but rather out of uh, the right attitude of heart. Now, Hannah, notice also, we've already read this, uh, chose to remain behind. Elkanah went up to Shiloh, but Hannah chose to remain behind. And she determined to nurse Samuel until he was three years old. That is, until he was weaned. And then she would take him up to the tabernacle there in Shiloh and leave him there, fulfilling her vow. Now, it's at this point, some people see this as choosing, that is, on Hannah and Elkanah's part, to doing the wrong thing. I mean, at first glance, you would think that this is actually an act of abandonment. And so some people think that this would have a shattering effect on the child's personality, that it would stifle his development. But that is not the case. you got to remember that this is a God thing. And God made all of the arrangements for Samuel's birth. Initially, he closed, uh, he closed Hannah, and then later on, when, she, when he brought her into alignment with his perfect plan, then he opened her womb. And all of those years while she was praying, God was working, molding Hannah, shaping her. And so then becomes God's responsibility to protect and to preserve young Samuel. So this abandonment kind of a thing wouldn't have affected Samuel at all. Now, during those, uh, the time where Samuel was with his mother and father, during those three years before he was brought up and presented to uh, Eli, the priest, before bringing young Samuel uh, to the tabernacle, Hannah instilled in him a unique realization of his belonging. He felt secure in both his relationship with his parents as well as his understanding of his relationship with God. And listen, young Samuel at this time is only three years old. What does that tell us? Hey, listen, it's never too early to instill within our children a godly heritage. You know, young children receive a lot more than we can even imagine. And so Samuel knew that he was loved. He knew that he was a special child. All of these things were instilled in him by his parents, and he developed that important inner sense of worth and personal esteem. And listen, these characteristics would enable Samuel to withstand all of the obstacles that he would later have to face, as we shall see as we continue to move through the book of 1 Samuel. Through what his parents told him, through what his parents instilled in him, he was given a strong sense of Purpose. Now, what did his parents instill within Samuel? We're, well, we're given a hint to that, uh, the answer to that question, there in verse 28 of our text. Let's go back there uh, to verse 28, and let's read it once again. Therefore, I also have lent him to the Lord. As long as he lives, he shall be lent to the Lord. And so they worship the Lord there. You know, this is a repeated characteristic of this family, uh, even in difficult situations and time. I mean, think about this. This would have been no small thing. I mean, this child was just with them for the last three years. 
and that child bonded with their, uh, his parents, and the parents bonded together with the child. And so this was the biggest sacrifice that both Hannah and Elkanah had ever made unto the Lord. But nevertheless, notice they're rejoicing in the commitment that they made to lend this child unto the Lord. And so what did these parents instill within their uh, child? Well, again, it's found in that phrase, they worship the Lord there. That is that referential awe of the one his parents honor. And that was the very thing that they passed along to their son. Listen, parents in our homes, we need to begin early to give our sons and daughters a sense of security by demonstrating to them our unconditional love and acceptance. And yes, we need to set limitations on their behaviors. You know, we have to set certain rules and boundaries for their own uh, protection. You know, because kids will be kids. Kids do crazy stuff, right? We all did crazy stuff as uh, children. And so it's very important that we let our children know that we love them unconditionally, but at the same time, we need to set boundaries for them. It's for their own good and for their own protection. We need to let them know that we think that they're special, that God has a plan for their lives. And listen, this will help them develop confidence that will bring stability to their lives and help them grow to maturity. We need to teach them to persevere, so that they will be successful in their life's experience. We need to give them certain tasks to accomplish. And when they accomplish those tasks that we've given them, there needs to be rewards given to them. We need to praise them for those accomplishments. We need to be involved in our kids' lives. We need to model our beliefs, our values, and goals. We need to instruct them in accordance with their bents, That is, with their personality, with their temperament. Because what works for one child doesn't necessarily work for another child. Listen, we raised in my house five children. And every one of them, there, there are certain similarities, but many of my children are so different from the next one. And it's amazing. And so you have to deal with them as individuals. So what works for one child doesn't necessarily work for another But it's so very, very important that we be sincere, that we be consistent, and that we are trusting God to mold the lives of our children as he did Samuel's. So that was our first point. Now that brings us to our second point, and that is with gladness of heart. Now remember, as I've already suggested, this was the chief feature of offering this peace offering, this offering of thanksgiving. So notice there in verse 25, upon arriving at Shiloh, Elkanah, Samuel's dad, and Hannah sacrificed a three-year-old bull. Now, don't be confused about this. I know that, like, for example, in the New King James uh, Version, in verse 24, it mentions that when they went up to Shiloh, they took along with them three bulls. But if you appeal to some of the other translations of what is recorded for us there in verse 24, it suggests that there was only one bull, and that bull was three years old. The Septuagint, for example, uh, that translation has that translation there uh, for us. It was only one bull, and it was three years old. 
Now, that particular animal was born, think about this now, approximately the same time as Samuel. Remember, when Samuel was brought up to Shiloh, he was three years old. He had just been weaned. This bull had been raised, uh, born around the same time. Uh, they brought that bull along with them as a burnt offering, uh, as a sacrifice of uh, thanksgiving. So it was a, the, the bull was born approximately at the same time as was Samuel. And then this bull was set aside, sacrificed wholly, as I've already mentioned, symbolizing Samuel's entire dedication, consecration unto the Lord. And this sacrifice, as we read on, was also accompanied by other tokens of their gratefulness. And by the way, this is the way that we are to offer our sacrifices, as I've already mentioned, with thanksgiving, with a full heart, right? And uh, willingly. Notice there in verse 24, and again, you can read all of the instructions on offering this particular sacrifice in the book of Leviticus. But in verse 24 of our text, we are told that they offered not only the bull, but an ephah, uh, that is a bushel of flour, a skin full of wine, which, by the way, was more in number and measure than that which the law required, according to those instructions there in the book of Leviticus. But they were that grateful, you see. They were that grateful, and so they wanted to express their gratefulness unto the Lord. And so they gave even more than what was required of them. Okay, and that should be the way that we offer our sacrifices. Our sacrifices of praise, our sacrifices of service, our sacrifices of giving with the same measure and attitude as did Elkanah and Hannah. Well, the sacrifice was completed, and then little Samuel is brought to Eli, the priest, without any hesitation. And notice, let's go back one more time and read verses 27 and 28. For this child I prayed, and the Lord be granted my petition, which I asked of him. Now, she's explaining this to Eli. And Eli wasn't even aware of the fact what God was doing, preparing this child to do the work that he wanted to do uh, through him. And so at this point, Hannah is letting Eli the priest know what her intentions were. Verse 28, Therefore I also have lent him to the Lord. As long as he lives, he shall be lent to the Lord. And so they worship the Lord there. And listen, think about this. If they chose not to follow through with their vow, you know, and slipped out the back door, you know, maybe had second thoughts and say, wait a minute, I, I, I can't do this. Give up my only child? You know, if they, if they wanted to renege on the vow and the commitment that they had made to the Lord, Eli would have never known. Because remember in verse 13, after Hannah had made the vow, which is recorded for us in verse 11, she made it silently before the Lord. And so remember, Eli... You know, she's, she's all emotional, and she's weeping, and she's crying. And, and uh, initially, remember, Eli thought she was drunk within the tabernacle precincts. So he didn't have a clue to what was involved with the vow that Hannah had made. So if they chose not to follow through with their vow, Eli would have never known, because he never heard her articulate it. And from that time, nevertheless, Samuel was cared for and nurtured 
and instructed by the women that served in the tabernacle and the mention of these particular women. There were certain women who who just gave themselves and ministered day and night within the tabernacle and then later on in the the temple. uh, The mention of these women uh, is recorded for us in the book of uh, Exodus in chapter 38 in verse 8. Remember when Joseph and Mary uh, brought their son uh, Jesus to be dedicated into the temple. And one of the women that was there was a woman whose name was Anna. And she happened to be one of those women who served in the temple. Others served in the tabernacle before the temple was uh, built. And so anyway, the women that were there within the tabernacle took young Samuel under their wing. And with Eli the priest, they attended to his body needs, his domestic, as well as his spiritual uh, training. So they sort of became his mother as well as father. Then that brings us to our third point as we move on. And we have this wonderful psalm of thanksgiving of Hannah recorded for us in chapter 2 in verses 1 through 10. And we're going to go through this uh, song of uh, Hannah. But first of all, let me say that her song that's recorded for us here in these first uh, 10 verses of uh, chapter 2 can be divided into three segments. So I want to break this down for you. The first of which is the holiness of God. And so Hannah expresses this through what is recorded for us in verses 1 through 3. Okay, so with that said, let's go ahead and read that. And Hannah prayed and said, My heart rejoices in the Lord. My horn is exalted in the Lord. And the horn, you know, right, in the scriptures are often uh, used as an emblem of strength. And so uh, Hannah is testifying to the fact that God has strengthened her. My horn, my strength is exalted in the Lord. I smile at my enemies. In other words, she's suggesting here that she's been vindicated. Remember, the other wife of her husband gave her a bad time because of the fact that she wasn't able to bear a child to her husband. And she made her life miserable over and over. She brought that to her attention. And so now she's been vindicated. And so she refers to that there by saying, now I smile at my enemies because I rejoice in your salvation. No one is holy like the Lord, for there is none beside you, nor is there any rock like your God. Talk no more. So very proudly, she's thinking about Elkanah's other wife, Penina. Let no arrogance come from your mouth, for the Lord is the God of knowledge, and by him actions are away. This is the best reason to forsake our pride. Why is that? Because next to God, we know nothing. In my Father's house, there's a place for me. In my Father's house, where I long to be, oh my First Samuel takes you from the pastures that David shepherded to Saul's palace, where David played his harp. It walks you through the battles that were won and lost, and it touches on one of the most unique friendships in the whole Bible. To say this book is interesting is an understatement. There are so many lessons to be learned from reading 1 Samuel. 
Ultimately, we're reminded that people wanted a human king. But no ruler or leader on earth will be perfect and they'll make many mistakes. Only God is perfect and is the very best king. Thanks for listening today. You can explore more of Pastor Mike's messages by searching for In My Father's House on your favorite podcast platform. And be sure to subscribe. If you're looking for a place in Midtown Manhattan to come together with others and worship Jesus, we'd love to have you join us this Sunday for worship at Harvest Christian Fellowship. You'll be able to reserve your seat and get directions at harvestnyc.org. We're also streaming each Sunday and Thursday service so everyone has the chance to attend and worship as a community of believers. If this broadcast is an encouragement to you, would you consider supporting us? We'd love your prayerful support. And if you feel led, we're also thankful for any financial support. In fact, you can donate securely on our website, harvestnyc.org. Thanks for listening in today, and we hope you'll join us again next time as Pastor Mike teaches on 1 Samuel, here on In My Father's House.